Since 1973, Tattoo Charlie's has been an established body modification studio in Kentucky. Featuring world-renowned artists and piercers, currently with locations on Preston Highway and in Lexington. A staple point in the tattoo community. Learn more at TattooCharlie's.com. Set up your appointment today at 7904 Preston Highway. Our tattoos are done while you wait. Hey, are you all in a band? Do you need merch for shows? By now I'm sure you've seen all the Metal Forge patches that are available, along with many more. Well, the printer I use for those is UKR Patcher. Check them out on Facebook and Etsy. They do awesome custom work and for extremely affordable prices for any band budget. Check them out, UKR Patcher on Facebook and Etsy. Musicians rejoice. Confused with all the modern and technical pedal board selections? Look no further. Kentucky Hot Brown Pedal Boards offer their homemade wooden and custom pedal boards for guitarists and bassists alike. Established in 2013, KYHBPB has helped support not only the local Louisville scene, but a large array of big and small players from across the entire country. More info can be found at KentuckyPedalBoards.com. Tuning into the Metal Forge, I am Mark Jackson and I'm your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at metalforgeradio at gmail.com or visit the website metalforgeradio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is Friday, August 7th, and you're listening to the Metal Forge, and I'm your host, Mark Jackson. What a pleasure it is to welcome you all where i have thrown of iron uh D themed metal band from indiana coming on the show today tucker thomason calling in holy shit i'm excited and can't wait for that i hope it's i think it's just gonna be awesome i i can't wait you know i hope everybody's doing well not really much in the rock and metal world to really talk about nothing's really going on some shows are getting rescheduled more shows are getting canceled so on and so forth And I said this uh, last week on the episode, just try to stay positive. If you need anybody to talk to, hit me up. Uh, I'll talk to anybody. If you want to be on the show, shit, I'll I'll record it. You know, we can talk about metal on here. You know, we talk about whatever you want to talk about. MetalForgeRadio at gmail.com, the website MetalForgeRadio.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, MetalForgeRadio. That's something I can mention. Holy fuck. Uh, Thank you to all of you all out there. Uh, Last week... We hit uh, over 2,200 likes on the Facebook page. Holy shit, that is awesome. I love you guys. Thank you so much. I couldn't do this without you all and your your continued support, all the listens and, and subscriptions that you all are. You're mashing that like and subscribe button, and that means more than you know to me. I've said on here many times I don't get paid to do this. I love doing this just because I love finding new bands, you know, finding new metal bands out there, taking suggestions from people, you know. On today's episode, Dieter Zimmerman, who used to work with me at WCHQ, recommended Throne of Iron, and we couldn't get anything worked out to get them to come down to the station last year, but I'm glad I could have them on now. 
So it's fucking awesome. Thank you all so much. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Again, thank you to all the Patreon subscribers out there and uh, all the other sponsors like Tattoo Charlie's, Kentucky Hot Brown Pedal Boards. Check those people out if you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area. Uh, Kentucky Hot Brown Pedal Boards, you know, they ship worldwide. Kenny and Tony, both awesome people. Yeah, check them out. And now the moment everybody's been waiting for. This is Throne of Iron with Lich Spire.
so, our adventurers have come to the end of their quest. Ah, but the season is young. What other tales are there to be told of our heroes? And I'm being joined on the line right now from Tucker from Throne of Iron. Dude, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, I just moved into a new house that I uh, I own, which is kind of a new experience. So uh, we're just getting settled in over here. I actually redid my shower today, which is my first time doing that. Nice. Uh, going to enjoy the home life for a while, I guess, you know, uh, rather than going out playing a bunch of crazy shows. Yeah, it was kind of a, a blessing in disguise that the uh, the coronavirus kind of grounded everyone because uh, the the travel ban uh, was actually instated while we were in the air on the way to play up Hammer Festival in Greece, uh, and we had to turn around when we landed for a layover in Switzerland because uh, there was a chance that we would actually be stranded in Europe. So this whole thing has kind of given me the opportunity to concentrate a little bit more on writing and a little bit more on just getting my adult life kind of squared away. Definitely. So tell everybody out there about Throne of Iron. Cool. Uh, so we're a uh, first-generation, like, AD&D, uh, late 70s, early 80s, uh, Dungeons & Dragons-themed uh heavy metal band kind of in the vein of what bands would have been sounding like in that same time period like 80 to 84 we're definitely coming from the priest and maiden school of thought but uh also we're pretty influenced by like manila road as well hell yeah uh i actually want to give a shout out really fast dieter zimmerman who actually turned me on to you guys when i was uh working at wchq he was like, man, you got to have Throne of Iron on, and it's just taken so long. And I know you, uh, you all, I'd hit you up before the end of the year, but you all would have been busy. But I'm glad you're on now, for sure. Yeah, Dieter's good people. Uh, I actually got turned on to him because of a friend of ours who owns a gaming store in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, he turned us on Dungeon Crawl Classics, and Dieter was one of the co-writers for Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, I, uh, he, he was. I noticed he was commenting on a lot of our stuff, and then I, I was reading through the DCC manual, and there was his name right there in the beginning as one of the writers. So yeah, that's how that happened. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to hit him up over that because I never knew he was a uh, DCC writer. Hell yeah! Yep. Now I'm gonna have to have him on the show. See. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and aside from that, I think you all would uh, would go well with his musical endeavors as well. You know, the drunken pirate thing. Yeah, absolutely. That would definitely be a good one for sure. We were supposed to hang out in April uh, for uh, Hoosier Con. Hoosier Con was going to be in town in Indianapolis and the same weekend as the show that we were playing in Indianapolis. And he was supposed to come out to that. But of course, uh, plans changed for everyone this year. Yeah, the whole coronavirus thing has like really grounded a lot of people and changed a lot of the dynamic of just playing music these days. Oh yeah. It's uh it's it's frustrating. Everybody kinda had to figure out how to stream online and I've even done a little bit of it, but it's it's not the same. It's not even close to being the same. No, definitely not at all. <laughs> and I'm looking at the Bandcamp page and it looks like y'all have got Adventure One, which is the full length album, and it looks like y'all have got quite a few other singles and splits that are available. Yeah. Uh we, we just we, we will we write almost constantly um, like I said, because the four of us all have home recording rigs, so we can all just kind of do our own parts at our own houses, which has been extremely useful during the, the pandemic. So we just we like sometimes you, when you're putting out one song, all of a sudden you have like three more that just kind of pop out of nowhere. Uh, and we also kind of like having this idea of releasing like pretty consistently, not really consistently, but, you know, at a, at a nice little trickle. 
kind of makes it harder to ignore us when we do that. Definitely. And it's not necessary. It's went from a world where you are, you, it's instead of it being album driven, it's more single driven and more, you know, it is. split driven and so on and so forth because it's such a digital world now mm-hmm. where everything is just, I don't want to necessarily pin the tail on it as instant gratification, but it's definitely, it's similar in that it's in that same vein where you don't have to necessarily have a collection of eight or 12 songs. You can go about having two or three at a time. Right. I, I, I'm still very much into the idea of, you know, having themed releases because I'm, I'm a sucker for, for lack of a better term, concept albums. Uh, so I, I like having overall themes for releases. So I am definitely still a sucker for doing like EPs and full lengths. But even like the split that we did with Hillsfar, uh, the dun- so he, Hillsfar was two tracks of Dungeon Synth and we did two tracks of Heavy Metal. And even then, we all kind of came together to write those four songs, our two and his two, around this central story that we had kind of like built up. And all the singles, most of the singles, aside from like one, I think, that are on there, uh, a lot of those are part of a thing that we do uh, called Roll for Metal, where we uh, we uh, we assign like dice roll values to uh, drum patterns and write songs based on more or less random number generation. Wow. It's us attempting to just kind of improvise off of these ideas. Definitely. Uh, so roll for Metal. We have... Uh, that is something I do live on our Patreon every now and then. It's going to be a minute because I my internet here uh, isn't quite as good as it used to be in my old one, but uh, we're getting that figured out. You all kind of write at your own leisure. Uh, now, are you all from the same area? Do you all get together and still practice, assuming... Well, originally when we all when we formed, so I, I started the band by myself. It started as just a living room project one night when I was really drunk. I recorded the three songs on the 2018 demo just by myself. And then about 10 days later, we got a record deal offer from No Remorse, which is exactly the label that I wanted <laughs> to put out this kind of music on anyways. Definitely. Uh, they, they put out uh, Eternal Champions, The Armor of Ire, which is one of my favorite records of all time. So in a moment of panic, I kind of like had to throw a band together. So it was all buddies just that I knew from playing and music for the past like decade before that. So we did all initially live in the same town. Now we're all kind of scattered around. Uh, I, I live like 40 minutes away from the rest of the guys. Uh, and our other guitar player actually lives in Chicago now, but he is coming back in February. So we're all going to be a little bit closer. Uh, we don't really get together to practice as a whole big group very often. We never really have. Honestly. Even when we all lived in the same town, it was just kind of like two or three before, before a debut show. Um, but aside from that, we don't really do that. I, I dig that, you know, because everything has become it's there's a lot of bands out there that are basically the same band as they were before the pandemic as they are now, where they don't have they never really get together to practice unless they're going out on tour or so on and so forth or right. getting ready to record, like especially if they're going to a an actual studio to record. Yeah, exactly. So on more on the writing process with you guys, when you're in the writing process, and I know you're already a, a AD&D old school themed band, do you pretty much have the song titles what you're going to use already, or do you, do you assign like working titles to things? There's working titles all over the place. Uh, we accidentally call the songs as they are now by their working titles uh, every now and then. Like, the working title is usually something really goofy. A lot of the times I won't even know what the song is about until the structure is almost co- like the song is completely written, completely structured and completely spaced out. And then I'll more or less just kind of attribute a meaning to it from there. 
Definitely. So what are some of the goofiest uh, working titles that you've come up with? Let's see. Uh, the song Past the Doors of Death, which is the second song on our debut full-length Adventure 1. Uh, the working title for that one was Obituary Door, because uh, Corwin, the other guitar player, and I, we were making fun of Pantera's Cemetery Gates at one point in the process of that, because there was some part of that song that just reminded me of Cemetery Gates. So we kept calling it, saying, oh, it's like the great value generic version of Cemetery Gates. It's Obituary Door or something like that. So we called it Obituary Door, like, right up until the album came. Right on. I could dig that. I mean, that's that's not too crazy. Yeah. If you could have written any song or album from another artist, what would it be? Oh, man. If I had to pick one that kind of gives me a similar feeling to what we're trying to write on here. Fucking either Defenders of the Faith or Screaming for Vengeance. One of those two. Yeah, probably probably, probably Screaming for Vengeance, honestly. There's just so many fucking bangers on that album. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What is the allure to music for you? Like, why music? Well, I've gone through a lot of different artistic mediums over the years. Like when I was in high school, uh, you know, I, I was I was playing music and getting into music in high school, obviously. But like, I, I was very much more visually art oriented at the time. And then as I got older, my my interests kind of started shifting more into. I have these ideas and these these general vibes and imagery that I just I create with sound as best I can. Um, so like with Throne of Iron, it's not just me wanting to write songs about wizards and elves and shit. Um, with Throne of Iron, I'm trying to go kind of meta with it, where it's uh, it's supposed to sound like a group of four dorky-ass dudes in a basement playing D&D and then deciding to start a metal band on the side, which is more or less what the band is. But I even had that mental image going into writing the demo. Like, it was just a snapshot of another time and place, and I'm more or less just trying to capture that with the music and try to put people in that feeling. Right. Uh, this just, like, in the uh, in the song where the, the prologue comes in, and you're like, fuck yeah. it, <laughs> and just go. Right. Definitely, I could get that. That's um, it's concepty, but it's it's kind of not. But it yeah, but it exactly. is. You know, it it it's left up for interpretation at that point, which I think right. is a really cool aspect of the band. Yeah, we're just I, like I said, we're we're kind of acting like a time castle almost. I, I really just and I did that with the production as well because we engineered the record. Uh, Bart Gabriel mastered it, but we did the engineering and the mixing. Right, and, really... and the artwork is phenomenal on it. I I know it's you know it's a total kickback to the D and D stuff. It's it's still kind of newer aged with that. It... I actually play D and D with the artist. Uh, his name's David Paul Seymour. Lives in up in uh in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, he and I play D and D uh online through Zoom. <laughs> oh hell yeah. That's actually really cool. <laughs> which I was also looking at some of the other stuff like the uh Peril in the Depths t shirt, which, you know, is totally out of a second a uh, second edition book, which is yep. to totally cool. And the our buddy uh, Vidar our, our buddy Vidar who uh plays in the band Legendary, he was the one who uh found that and uh edit it for our needs <laughs> definitely and the uh the 2018 demo it's yeah it's total first edition in a box yeah it's from the uh horror on the hill i believe was the module that the demo 
Nice. It's it kind of reminds me of that and uh, Fieldmaster uh, roll roll for metal one. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like the very f- like the proxy cards for Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. Where they came out, where they had like black and white artwork, and it was just text printed on the card and stuff. Yeah, so it's total good feel for all of that. Do you listen to yourself musically? Well, when I you mean like listen to my own music that I made? Yes, um, I go through phases with it. I haven't since the album came out, really. But I mean, from the time that when, when I dropped the demo, I couldn't stop listening to it because that's another thing that I, I think a lot of people in bands kind of miss out on. A lot of the time, they uh, they get so carried away in like what they can do on the fretboard or what they can do technically. And at the end of the day, I, I for my part, just really like writing music that I want to hear. Definitely. And I think that's you're right exactly on that. I think it's something that a lot of people miss out on because they're so in in tune with, no pun intended, in tune with what they can do. But are they enjoying what they're putting out? Right. And that kind of goes back to my whole thing with Throne of Iron of me trying to create a headspace. It's like I have this thing in my head, but I want to listen to music that makes me feel like I'm in that time and place even more. So I try to make it. Absolutely. I'm not too familiar with like what you all have done tour-wise. Is there a favorite uh, city or venue you like to play in? Man, Cleveland, Ohio is awesome. Um, like I said, our, our buddy Beckett Warren, who owns a, a game store up there called Weird Realms, uh, who turned us on to Dungeon Crawl Classics, he, he showed us an absolute great time when we were up there in Cleveland for the first time. We, it, it's always kind of a curse when you're out on the road. And if you just don't know what to do with all the downtime, because a lot of the times, unless you're doing crazy, crazy long drives like my old band, uh, my old band that I was in for, 13 years we would we would routinely do tours where we had 10 hours of driving a day and we don't really do that in throne of iron um so we had all this downtime when we rolled into cleveland and he welcomed us into his store that he owns again weird realms in cleveland and we he introduced us to dungeon call classics and we played a level zero dcc dungeon and uh after that it kind of changed how we look at downtime before shows so now we, we have like little pamphlet booklets of, uh, I can't remember what the term for the homebrews of, uh, more or less like, dun- like Dungeons and Dragons tribute kind of mini games. So we have a bunch of those that we carry around with us now that we can play like during downtime, like waiting to get on a plane or, uh, when we have downtime at a venue, like hours after we've loaded in and before we're supposed to play kind of thing. Yeah. It's not all sex, drugs and rock and roll anymore. We're adults now. We're, we're all, all four of us are like pushing thirty, and we get hangovers, and we all, and not all of us. Like one of a, our, our my guitar player has a bad back, so we, we have to do other things. <laughs> oh yeah, because you can't just go out running around the venue and stuff like that anymore. Yeah, I think that's definitely a a. It's the difference when you when you become an older musician versus a younger touring musician is you find more ways to sightsee and better ways to fill the time man and even even in my old band when we were touring i was definitely the old man of the band i always just kind of wanted to show up see a few kind of interesting little things locally play the show and then go back to the hotel and just sleep i've always been kind of the old man right in everything Uh, i don't know I've, i've never 
even when I was like 14 and wanting like deciding like right then, like I want to be in a touring metal band. It was always, I, I was, I was always very allured by the, uh, the long drives and just the vast Midwestern nothingness being opened up before me kind of parts of that life. And I, I, that, I, a lot of that like wanderlust almost, uh, has kind of made it its way into this music because in the same way, you know, like the album opener, the call to adventure, I initially wrote those lyrics about how badly I missed going on tour. Right. On the other side of that question is if you could have played any major concert from days gone past, what would it be? Oh man. Uh, the U S 83 concert that had like, Hell, I can't remember who all was on. I know Ozzy was on it. I think uh, Judas Priest played that one too. So it was Priest and it was Ozzy, and I think Bon Jovi was on that one too. Let me look up the lineup really quick. The U.S. Festival in '83. Yeah, U- U- yeah, U.S. Festival in '83. The Sunday lineup. Yeah, the Sunday lineup was insane. It was Quiet Riot, Crew, Ozzy Osbourne, Judas Priest, Triumph, Scorpions, and Van Halen. I wanted to play. I would want to play that. <laughs> Hell yeah. I also like to ask the general questions and such. This is so. This is more about about you, about Tucker here. Do you have a favorite movie? Uh, Jacob's Ladder uh, from nineteen ninety. Yeah, with uh, Tim Robbins. Definitely an interesting, interesting film for sure. Absolutely. Uh, should, there's anybody who has never seen it. You should watch it before bed. And the thing is that, like, I actually uh, I read a book, a short story, actually, that was very similar to the plot of it. And when I was a sophomore in high school, before I'd even seen Jacob's Ladder. And I think that kind of also cemented it for me. Uh, uh, An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge by Ambrose Bierce is kind of the same basic premise, but set in the Civil War instead of Vietnam. Particularly, I love Jacob's Ladder so much just because of, like, how much of kind of an understated movie it is and how underrated it is. And so many people don't know about it. Because it came out in this weird kind of like interstice period between like 80s slasher horror and 90s like kind of bad horror. So right. Have, uh, so, and the influence that it's had on horror in general is amazing. Uh, so like the the fast motion guy shaking his head thing, that's been in like every horror movie. Definitely. And, like the creators of the Silent Hill game series, Team Silent, who made the original four games, have all cited Jacob's Ladder as a huge influence on how they do things. Uh, do you have a favorite food? It kind of all it skips around. Um, my just because I'm I'm a Hoosier, uh, my usual go-to is like just popcorn. I love popcorn so much. Right. I was, I've been eating popcorn since I've had teeth. Nice. Yeah, popcorn is awesome. Do you have a favorite flavor of popcorn? Just straight like movie theater style. Um, yeah, just give me butter and I'm happy. <laughs> also, another Hoosier thing. <laughs> yeah, give me butter and we're happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I figured, you know, with it, with a uh, end of the tune of Throne of Iron, it would be like a turkey leg and mead. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, for us, it'd probably just be like, I don't know, some shitty burgers and a case of hams. Right, definitely <laughs> the beer, the beer, not like a bunch of, not like a bunch of pig. <laughs> um, do you have an ultimate jam? And by ultimate jam, I mean it's the song or album that constantly finds its way back to whatever device you're listening on. Ingve Malmsteen's uh, Marching Out. Yeah. I think, or, you're, I think you're the first person who's ever said an Ingve tune on here. I, my thing with Ingve is that everybody knows that dude's a shredder. Like, that's kind of like his whole thing. And he's like, you know, he's a bit of an egomaniac, whatever. But I, I feel like he's earned it. 
I, I just, I don't understand how metal people can, how metal dudes specifically cannot like Ingve. Like the dude plays guitar like a maniac. He marries supermodels, gets drunk, gets blasted as hell on vodka and crashes Lamborghinis. And it's just like, that's, that's the life. He lives in a castle. Right. <laughs> but the thing is that like with marching out, you know, Jeff Scott Soto sings on that record. And I know a few people really just hate the way Jeff Scott Soto sings because it's almost kind of a caricature of other singers in the 80s. But I think that's what that album needed. It needed to be ridiculous and over the top. Hell, the music video for I'll See the Light Tonight has a dragon in it. I mean, and the, the other thing that really draws me to marching out is it, it's a perfect showcase that Ingve is not just a shredder. That guy can write riffs. There's so many solid guitar riffs on marching out. Definitely. And that's the whole thing is like, you know, a lot of people, again, you know, they think of him just as a shredder. I, I guess it's take a step back and, and listen to just the musicality of it. Yeah. Like the, the verse riff on Don't Let It End is, to me, one of the heaviest riffs that's ever been written in like, I think he's half a step down, but I'll, I'll just call it a standard for funsies. What is your greatest achievement as a musician? I honestly think that... <laughs> It's hard to quantify, but the one that makes me feel the best is getting on the record label that I wanted to release my music. No, no more, no less. Like I, I, our relationship with No Remorse Records is really good. Um, like I said earlier, they put out one of my favorite records of all time and they're the only label I wanted to work with for this music. Uh, and they reached out to us and it made me feel really good about myself. That is definitely amazing. Yeah, it's. I don't know how it happened. I'm not sure what stars were aligned when I dropped the thing, but there, yeah, everything worked out way better than expected. So with um, you know, with that happening, um, uh, and with your current, you know, with the band being a D and D themed style band, are you going to do anything like what uh Black Dahlia Murder did with uh, like Verminous? Or would it with the, the special box set with a play along campaign? I it's, we've had a few people offer to write them. It's just hard getting them to like commit. <laughs> right. I, I would really like to do a special edition of Adventure One uh, with something like that eventually, but then I'm not sure how many people would call us copycats. But I well at the, at the end of the day, I barely care. We're we're literally a D and D themed band. <laughs> you know here here's the thing. You should do it, but you should do it in in like second edition module. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> People, you know, there are purists out there that actually only just play like first edition or second edition. Right. Um, my guitar teacher who plays the uh, dungeon master in the music video that we put out uh, for Lichtflyer, he, uh, he actually has a group that play first edition still. Wow. My, my, my wife and I, and most of our friends, like we started in 3.5, but we play five out just because it's it's the easiest to get people into and it's i think it's uh, it captures the feel of first edition without being convoluted well see i'm old enough to where i had not, i was there before third edition came out right so you were playing two yeah i was playing second and a lot of second edition books like a lot a lot the, the books are great the yeah. the issue <laughs> is is like the negative numbers and when third came out third came out it was completely broken yeah that they tried to fix well there's a reason that 3.5 existed (laughs) yes exactly and then Um, there was the abomination of four yeah we don't talk about four (laughs) do you you miss sacco at all sometimes yes but more often than not no 
<laughs> I've, I've only played one campaign and two, and it made me hate Thacko. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's terrible. It, it's like I I guess I get it's one of those things you kind of get nostalgic for, and then you start thinking about it, and you're like, yeah, that was a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> wow, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I can feel a little unbalanced at times, but it's for the most part I like five. Oh yeah, I haven't played five, but I I understand it's it's the best things out of three and four. Yeah, with very little from four. Right, an absolute like I don't I don't know what they were thinking with four. It was just kind of wizards going off on their own weird tangent. I right, I, I agree with that as well. Uh, do you have any Spinal Tap moments? I don't think we have yet. But maybe I'm just maybe I had my head buried in the sand about it. We've gotten lost on the way to the venue a few times, but like nothing to the extreme of like being under the amphitheater or having the Stonehenge moment. <laughs> maybe a maybe a better way to phrase the question because mm -hmm. of the uh, what is something you rolled a crit fumble on <laughs> as being a musician. <laughs> Man, I actually have to think about that because this 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 band has been mostly a departure from. My track record of other bands where something just messes up and makes everything terrible. Uh, I think the only crit fumble that we've had was just how horrible our luck was to be flying to Europe right at the beginning of the quarantine or the, the pandemic hitting fever pitch in March. Like we, we were in the air. Oh, whenever yeah. Trump was like, Hey, by the way, if you're from another country, we're not going to let you back in. And we just lost it. So we, rallied really quick and the fans came to the rescue and bought a bunch of merch and we were able to get plane tickets back to the states like within i don't know within uh half an hour of landing we were able to get tickets and get stuff together so and wow. inter we, were, we were able to intercept our guitars from getting sent to greece and uh, about half an hour to an hour and a half about an hour after that we were on a plane back to the united states that's insane. Uh, so, there's um, shout out I, to Swiss Airlines and the uh, Zurich Airport because they handled it wonderfully and they were super helpful. <laughs> definitely. So a shout out to them for sure. Uh, yeah, there was a uh, a friend of mine that I know. You know, we we know so many people these days through Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah. Who was actually on vacation in Greece and had to cut his vacation short, and that sucks. Yeah, a buddy of ours flew there from Wisconsin, and he... I bet we're talking about the same guy. Randy. <laughs> Randy, yeah. Yeah, yeah poor Randy. Uh, I know. And he said, you know, let's give a shout-out to Randy as well, because he's had such a tough year with Blades of Steel because of this pandemic yeah. bullshit and, and everything else. So, yeah. shout-out to you, Randy, if you're listening out there. Hopefully so. Randy also uh, hooked us up with our first show in Madison, Wisconsin, and that was really cool of him. Hell yeah, he's just an he's just an awesome dude. He knows everybody, I think. Yep. So yep. I, I regularly see like uh, uh, Katan like commenting on his stuff all the time from Hyrax. So I I have one more question. Well, actually, you know what I have? Well, you kind of already answered the other question. I was going to say, what's your favorite edition of D and D? But you've already kind of already said that so I, I like the i like playing five but i love the vibe of one <laughs> the most i could i could see that yeah because one just seems so there's a naivete around one like they hadn't quite gotten their footing yet and it was the the fantasy tropes were just heavy 
and there, everybody wasn't trying to play an anti-hero or whatever. It oh, was yeah. just very vanilla, very straightforward, and I like that. I actually know where there is a first edition box. Oh, and the white box? It, uh, it's actually full. It's been opened, of course. Yeah. But it was so much money. It was like $1,000, and I'm like, damn. So I know Wizards did a reprint of the white box, uh, in 2013, and even those are going for like a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's I couldn't imagine. You know, you know, it's such a good like set. I still couldn't imagine paying that for it. Yeah. So there's there's sometimes the D and D scene will get kind of kind of lost in translation because like our logo has that the it's called masquerade is the font um, right of the original Dungeons and Dragons cover. So. When we switched to that logo from the one that was on the 2018 demo, it was mostly in Germany. I, I found I found a, a German metal forum that I had to use my Google Translate on to, to understand what was going on. But there was a whole bunch of back and forth between people saying that they absolutely hated the logo that we use now. They absolutely hated it because it to me to them like they didn't know the significance of it, so they they said that it gave off a Wild West saloon vibe. You know, I can actually see that. Yeah, I completely understand it, but there, there is until somebody drops it on them with covers of like the original player's handbook, and they're like, "Well, oh, this is why they're using it." Right. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, I it does kind of look like that old west kind of. It totally does. Like it's very, very turn of the century, like silent movie, almost. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I get, I could see that. Um. So before I ask the last question, are there any shout outs you want to give to anybody? Oh man, just shout out to uh, Chris and Andreas at No Remorse Records. Uh, they're amazing. They're great people. And they've definitely helped keep my head up a few times. Corey Gabriel for mastering our record. Um, we just we have a, we have an awesome support system around us, uh, and I'm eternally grateful for that. Right on. That's that's so cool to have. You know have somebody like that contact you and be like, Hey, we need, we need to work this out. We need to work yes. together and, and do yeah. something. <laughs> That's always a plus. Um, and how can people get a hold of you to, um, possibly book shows, talk to you all about merch, uh, buy albums. How, how can people do that? So for, uh, buying albums and shirts and all that, you can just hop over to our band camp. It's uh throne of Um, or if you want shirts like maybe a little bit faster and you don't want to have to deal with me and how much I hate going to the post office, you can go to uh, throneofiron.bigcartel.com and it just gets drop shipped to you, which is something we figured out well before the uh, pandemic, thankfully. Uh, if you want to just contact us to either just talk or if you want to talk about a show, uh, you can find us on Facebook uh, or Instagram even. We're on those a lot. <laughs> right on. Uh, so. You heard it. It's throneofiron.bandcap.com or the Big Cartel page. And, and yeah. So the final question I always like to ask, and this is like that inside the actor studio style question, is if heaven or hell exists, what do you want to hear when you arrive where you think you're going? Well, are you asking me what I want to hear or what I think I deserve? <laughs> How about how about we get a twofer on this? What do you want to hear, and what do you think is going to be? If if I if I've been a good boy, like everybody insists I have, and I do go to the good place, uh, man, honestly, if I could just hear some Dio Sabbath when I get there, I'd, I'd be fine. 
Uh, if I'm going to hell, like I'm pretty sure I am, I don't know, dig up all of the B-grade new metal bands that didn't make it from like 1996, and I'm sure that's what will be waiting for me. And then I get force-fitted into a pair of jean coats. Oh, I hope it's really not that. I hope, you know... <laughs> If you are if if you think you are going to hell, I hope you get to hear Dio Sabbath there, <laughs> <laughs> because it seems like it would be fitting for the soundtrack. I should hope so. <laughs> Man downstairs has some taste. Definitely, uh, <laughs> Tucker. Thank you so much for calling in. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I've been looking forward to this interview since we had spoke a few weeks back, and I booked it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool because <laughs> it's just like awesome stuff. And before we get out of here, uh, off of Adventure One, what do you want to hear? Oh, let's do Fourth Battle of the Ash Plains. Yeah, that's my go-to. All right, you heard it. Roll for initiative. Fuck.
Since 1973, Tattoo Charlie's has been an established body modification studio in Kentucky. Featuring world-renowned artists and piercers, currently with locations on Preston Highway and in Lexington. A staple point in the tattoo community. Learn more at TattooCharlie's.com. Set up your appointment today at 7904 Preston Highway. Our tattoos are done while you wait. Hey, are you all in a band? Do you need merch for shows? By now I'm sure you've seen all the Metal Forge patches that are available, along with many more. Well, the printer I use for those is UKR Patcher. Check them out on Facebook and Etsy. They do awesome custom work and for extremely affordable prices for any band budget. Check them out, UKR Patcher on Facebook and Etsy. Musicians rejoice. Confused with all the modern and technical pedal board selections? Look no further. Kentucky Hot Brown Pedal Boards offer their homemade wooden and custom pedal boards for guitarists and bassists alike. Established in 2013, KYHBPB has helped support not only the local Louisville scene, but a large array of big and small players from across the entire country. More info can be found at KentuckyPedalBoards.com. <laughs> 